announcement that I neglected to give you earlier, and that is in your worship guide this morning, there should, should have been an envelope. And as we anticipate the coming of a new pastor, we, uh, your executive board and stewardship committee, have uh, wisely undertaken a special offering to help with uh, some of the transition expenses, setting up an office, helping to get the new pastor here in town, uh, some salary supplement perhaps, depending on what happens with our giving and our finances, maybe a, a even a, a ministry initiative that he might be wanting to undertake. So we would just encourage you over the next six or seven weeks that you would consider making a one-time gift over and above your regular giving, but a one-time gift towards that. You'll be hearing from some people within our uh, leadership and within our congregation over the next few weeks their, uh, some of their thoughts on the importance of this, but uh, just would encourage you to be praying about that. Take that envelope. We'll have them each week, but we'd encourage you uh, to do that. All right. Well, hey, we're into the uh, what turns out to be the last week of our our family, faith, and friends uh, sermon series. We were going to end next week, but some big event has preempted the last message. It was going to be a good one too. It was going to be a good one, uh, but uh, I'm expecting a great uh, time next week, a great crowd, and looking forward to that uh, very much. So we've. We've been moving through a series. We've talked about, I want to know what love is. We talked about resolving conflict. Uh, and then last week, my friend uh, Bob Batama shared about just what, a God, what God designed marriage to be about. I was encouraged by that. I hope that you were too. So we've been working through some relational things, and, and we're landing on a, kind of a unique part, I think, of relationships. And when we think about media, social media, technology, and how that impacts relationships, and and maybe even what God would have uh, us to think about uh, those things. So that's what we're going to do this morning. But I wanted to share with you that I had a very unique experience this morning. I don't always, uh, I don't always get up early and go to uh, a, a coffee place and get something uh, to drink and eat. But often I do just to think through my uh, sermon and just the, the events of the day. So I'll go early and just sit by myself. And so I did that this morning. And it was just something, I've been in Hanford now almost 23 years, and I can say without a doubt that this has never happened before. So I'm sitting there, enjoying my uh, breakfast or whatever, and in walks six surfers. <laughs> now listen, we're in the middle of Central California, and there was no question who these guys were. I mean, there was no question. You could tell from as soon as they got out of their vehicle, I'm like, and now I am from Southern California, so I have a little bit of a understanding of what a surfer looks like but these guys walked in and I'm like they're not from around here they are not from around here so they're over you probably know that there's a big surf ranch Kelly Slater has a, a surf ranch in Lemoore if you didn't know that you need to get used to having surfers around because apparently there's going to be some surfing happening uh, in Lemoore and there's a big event happening uh, there so I just I thought man what a great place in the middle of California because I know that a lot of you that aren't from here, when you move or came to California, people automatically think if you're in California, you live right by the beach. And that's just not the way it is, especially when they really land in central California, they realize they are not at the beach. So anyway, that was very interesting. Hey, this, okay, so if you were to talk to some parents about some of the challenges that they are thinking about in raising uh, their kids... 
very quickly in the conversation, you probably would hear something related to social media and, and how to, or screen time, or just being in front of screens in general, you, you would hear something about that. And, and if you talked to people about what they see as some of the threats to uh, just the direction of our society, probably technology, social media, somewhere would kind of pop into uh, the conversation. So uh, I want us to understand uh, that I don't know that there's, you can, you can just say it's good or bad. I'm, that's not really the intention this morning, and you'll see where I'm going with this. But there are some, some issues that we need to think about when we think about media, social media, technology, that kind of thing. Because we're talking about now like Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Twitter. Some of you are going like, what is he even, what's that language he's speaking? Others of you are going, hey, you're speaking my language. That's, that's, where, I, that's where I live. So we have to recognize that even if you're not involved in, in those platforms, there's online gaming, there's online shopping, there are text messages, there are emails. We are subject to a lot of technological things that are happening in our society. So I want to identify three quick issues I think that we have to at least think about when we're thinking about uh, media and technology. And the first is that it can control our time. Now, in my research, the average person, average person, average adult, spends approximately two hours every day on social media. And some young people, and I've talked to some of them so I know, can spend up to eight or nine hours on different various platforms, even if it's gaming, different things like that. They can spend eight or nine hours a day on an online platform of some sort. So it can control our time. So we have to ask ourselves, well, you know, if I am involved in this to any degree, why? What, what is the need that is being met? What is happening through this particular platform that's meeting a need in my life? And we have to be honest and say, um, am I indulging something or, or, is it worth, or is it worthwhile? Because let's be honest, I'm pretty sure I'm not actually friends with all the friends I have on Facebook. I have 568 friends. And I thought to myself, that's pretty good. Until I checked Danny Gavini's Facebook page. 1,028 friends Danny has. So I thought, as friendly as I am, Danny is at least twice as friendly uh, as I am. So that's it. The second thing is it, it's redefining our relationships. When we, think, when we think about this, and we think about what it means to be a friend or what it means to be a follower, I'm pretty sure when, when Jesus said, hey, you are my friends, or when he said, come follow me, he didn't mean Twitter or Instagram. You know, he wasn't saying, hey, just see what I'm doing. Check out what I'm doing. Uh, that is not the, at least biblically, when we think about relationally what we're talking about, uh, what it means to be a friend or a follower. So it's, it's redefining uh, these things. It, you know, as a matter of fact, when Jesus talked about being his friend or following him, he was inviting us into a rather difficult, messy kind of relationship. When we talk about real community and real relationships with each other, if we're engaging each other face-to-face, -face, it's, it's not always pretty. Your families can testify to that. You know that when we, when we engage one another, it, it, can, it can be kind of, that, that messiness is there. And sometimes I, I feel like what's happening through the digital uh, realm is that we're missing some of that. It becomes kind of like 
fast food relationships. You know, we just get in and get out. We, it's cheap, it's easy, it doesn't cost me much, and I can, I can be in this relationship, but it, it is not really the relationships that we were created for. And so it is redefining how we do relationships. And I believe, in, to some degree, it's distracting us from real deep relationships that we're called to. And then lastly, it's, it's really changing how we communicate. Uh, boundaries get blurred. It's, it's difficult to control the content that we're exposed to and, and the access to things we're exposed to. And I think this is a lot of what parents become concerned about because there's things out there that are so easily accessed through various platforms and uh, uh, venues that it's, it's uh, difficult to control. Uh, there's the problem of anonymity. You know, when, when nobody knows who I am, I can be very bold. I can be very, you know, very outspoken about what I believe because no one, they're not sitting right there in the room with me. I'm behind my keyboard and I become very courageous all of a sudden. And I say things that maybe I wouldn't say if I was face to face with you. And we're missing the, the nonverbal. We're missing the, the, the social cues uh, that we get when we're face to face with one another. So we know that this is happening. We know it's changing how we communicate. It it's also gives everyone a platform, even people that really don't know what they're talking about. And that's, this is some of you I'm speaking to now that, will, that will, will say something, and you're far from an expert, but you've got an opinion, and everyone's got an opinion. And the thing is, it all gets lumped together, and there's no way to decide who's the authority, who should I believe. And, I, I, you know, I found it online, so it must be true. Right? So this is, what we're, this is what we're dealing with. These are some of the issues and challenges that we're dealing with. Now, here's what I came, well, and let me just wrap that up by saying I believe it's ultimately it's, it's driving us apart. It's isolating us from, from what we were really created for. And it's in many ways not very healthy. Now, having said that, I think it would be wrong to blame social media. Because let me just go back to like the 1900s, uh, early 1900s, and I'll go early 1900s so that nobody here was even alive then. So I'm not being critical of anyone sitting here. But the reality is, I believe it started in the early 1900s. Because I think what happened was, technology started to change. Communication started to change. Uh, transportation started to change. So now we, uh, we could move away from the city because, I had, because we had vehicles. And so I could get out into the suburbs, a, a little bit away from the crowd of the city. So we started just even back that far back, we started to separate ourselves. When the television showed up, now some of you are around for that, but when the television showed up, it had, I believe, the same impact. It, we began to isolate ourselves, we began to, began to come inside, we'd surround this thing, and it would be this, the purveyor of information to us. So this is not a new concept, is it? It's, I don't believe it's a new concept. It, we may be troubled by it, and we, as well we should. But I believe really the bigger question is, how can I best utilize the time God has given me? I want to start there. I don't, I, don't, I don't think it would be wise to just tear apart technology as if we can't avoid it. But we want to recognize that we need to have some healthy boundaries for these things because when we do that when we take control rather than allowing these things to control us we can begin to have impact on our culture rather than it impacting us 
The danger that we're up against is that we're allowing the culture, we're allowing the society, and I say we because I believe we're, we are all to some degree guilty of this, we are allowing the culture to dictate to us rather than us taking a step back and saying, okay, I'm going to establish some boundaries and I am going to take control and I am going to have influence and here's how I'm going to do it. So this morning I want to share a passage with you and we are, we are going to land in the Old Testament. It's Isaiah chapter 55. So if you would find in your Bible Isaiah 55, we're going to look at the first three verses and as you're looking that up, let me give you the background real quick to Isaiah 55. So many scholars divide Isaiah into two or three sections. And so as we look at Isaiah 55, it's either at the end of section two or uh, the middle of the second section. But anyway, it's, it's towards the end of Isaiah. And it was most likely directed at people that were in exile in Babylon. So during the Babylonian exile, God raised up this prophet to speak to the people of Israel. And so let's look at what he said. Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 3. Come, all, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money or, and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me, listen, that you may live. So as God is speaking through the prophet to these people, I believe that there's a challenge for us. And he is speaking about some specific things, and I want, to, I want us to really land on two big things. And, and that is that, that God, through the prophet, is, is extending a great invitation uh, to the people of Israel, and, and the idea is that time is a resource. In verse 1, he's, he's reminding them, in fact, the, the, the idea here is that this is a, a vendor in a marketplace, and those of you that have been to a ball game and you've seen the vendors walking up and down the aisles, or you've been to a market and you've seen people selling their things, the water vendor in the marketplace uh, there in Babylon, Babylonian Empire, probably walking up and down the streets or through the marketplace, calling out, come, buy my water, making that, that call. So through the prophet, God is saying to, to people, hey, I, I have something new for you, something better for you. And he's extending this invitation to a, a different kind of life. Because it's more than just water, it's more than just food, because he's saying uh, come by without money, without cost. He's extending this gift free. There's no cost involved. And so as we think about that, I think about the fact that our life is a gift. It's a free gift. Our time is a free gift. And in fact, in Luke chapter 14, and you can look at that later if you want to make a note, in Luke chapter 14, Jesus tells the parable of a great banquet where he sends People, uh, a, a rich man sends people out to invite the community to come to a banquet, to come and celebrate. And I believe that's what God does with us. He has invited us to enjoy life with him. That this life that we live, this time that we've been given, is a great resource. It's the most valuable thing that you have. You can make more money. You can surround yourself with more people. 
You cannot get more time. You cannot get more time. It's limited. And you, we, I believe, are responsible for how we manage it. And it pays off. If we manage it well, there are benefits. If we mismanage it, if we spend it poorly, there are consequences. As I was, as I was preparing for this morning, I was watching a, a sermon from Andy Stanley, who's back in Atlanta. Uh, his church is back in Atlanta. And he, was, uh, he made the point that, you, you know, you can't, you can't cram for maturity. Maturity is not something that you can do a, a pull an overnighter and all of a sudden you're more mature. Maturity is something that you, you make regular inputs on, that you're, you're making regular choices. You don't just wake up one day and all of a sudden you're mature. And so it, it's, you, you can't just at the last minute become spiritually wise, relationally mature. Some of us know people that are still, you know, that might be adults, 30s, 40s, year, 40 years old, still acting like elementary school kids in the way they relate to one another. You can't, you can't cram for that. That's, that's an investment you make. So God extends the invitation. He says, come, you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. I'm giving you this invitation. Come bring your life. Use your life. And so it brings to, when we come to verse 2, reading between the lines, we can see the next big idea is that time can either be invested or it can be wasted and so he asks the big question there and I believe it's the central question that we have to ask ourselves this morning and that is this he asks why do you labor and spend money on things which do not satisfy so when we think about that and I believe the prophet is saying that's got to change what you're currently doing the way that you are Wasting your life on things that do not satisfy, that's got to change. And so I would ask you to ask yourself that very same question. Why do I labor? Why do I spend money? Why do I spend my time on things that ultimately do not satisfy? So it's a time management thing is what I want to suggest. It's not really social media's problem it's not really technology's problem it's the fact that I've allowed myself to fall into the trap of letting something else dictate to me what's important and where I should invest my time and my energy and this is true regardless of our age our station in life our economic background we need to ask ourselves this question so I would say that we need to consider our time very carefully and so I want us to look at some verses together that I believe speak to this. And we're going to look them up uh, together. The first is in Ephesians uh, chapter 5. And so if you could go to Ephesians chapter 5, Paul the Apostle writing to Ephesus. We're going to look at verses 15 and 16. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. Paul says this, Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Some translations say making the most of your time because the days are evil. 
Colossians chapter 4. It's over a couple books. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. Colossians 4, verse 5. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And then one final one, Psalm 90, verse 12. Psalm 90 in the Old Testament, verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So I I believe that Scripture, and there are many other places that we could read similar things, that Scripture reminds us that time is not insignificant. It is very significant. And how we choose to use it, how we choose to invest or, or misspend our time is crucial. And if I allow the culture and my own desires to drive my time, it will be wasted. So we have to ask, in light of my vision for what I want my life to look like, what's the wise thing to do? Notice I'm not suggesting what's the legal or illegal thing to do. I'm not talking about what's the even right or wrong thing to do. I'm saying what's the wise thing to do with our time. Because many times it doesn't come down to if it's right or wrong or even legal or illegal. It's is it the best use of my time. I'll give you an example. I was talking to somebody last week, parent of a teenager who was um, concerned about how much time they spend down in the basement on video games. And so they talked about this conversation they had with their son. Come, we want you to come up, you know, turn off the video games and come up with us. And so what was the family doing? They were watching TV. So this bold, this bold and, and proud of him, bold high school student said to his dad, Hey, Dad, if I may ask, what's better about me sitting here watching television, because they weren't interacting, watching television versus being down watching the, or playing video games. And this dad was, he had to honestly, he was stumped. He had to honestly say, you know what? Good point. Good point. So just being in the same room doesn't mean that we're having some great interaction and so we have, to, we have to ask ourselves, what's the wise thing? In light of what I want to see happen in my life, what is the wise thing to do? And I think Scripture encourages us to consider our time carefully. And then I think it's important that we consider the content and impact. What, what, what Ephesians says that we need to make the most of every opportunity, that we need to get full value from our time. That's what that word means. We make the most. We get full value of my time. And so this morning, I want to just challenge you with this question. Where do you need to make adjustments in how you invest your time? And I'm using that word invest very carefully. Because when we invest our money we make a contribution to something that we believe will pay off later. It's not, our investment is not a short-term thing. It's a longer-term thing that we, we 
We invest now because we believe it's going to pay off later. And if I'm investing my time now, what am I investing my time in that I believe is going to pay off later? That's different than saying, hey, I want immediate results or I want immediate feedback. I want to invest in something that's, that is going to make an impact later. So in light of my, the vision for my future, spiritually, where do I want to be in 10 years? Relationally, what do I want to see happen in my life? Professionally, what do I want to see happen in my life? Where should I be investing my time? With whom should I be investing my time? So this morning I wanted to give a, a personal example from my own life. And so I brought um, these. These are um, my basketball shoes. And if you could see them, you could see that they're quite dusty. They've been in my closet for, they probably have not been worn for 20 or 22 years. So I wanted to just tell you a little bit about uh, years ago, before I even got married, before Kristen and I got married, um, I've got a friend whose name is uh, Stan. And Stan and I, we loved playing basketball. And so I was probably what you would call a gym rat. We would we would get together and like four or five nights a week, we would grab our basketballs and our shoes and we would go find an open gym and play basketball. And we would do it every opportunity we got. I was single. I didn't have any kids. I had a part-time job. I was going to school. I had all, you know, and so we would go and play. We would go and play every chance we got. And, you know, I, I, there was something that happened in me. I remember distinctly times when I was driving to play basketball where there would, I would start to get like butterflies in my gut. I would start to get excited. Like I, when I walk in that gym, it is going to be great. And I don't know if you've ever had anything like that in your life, but it, it gave me pause to think to myself real quick, do I get that same uh, anticipation in my gut when I'm walking through the doors of First Baptist? And I ask you the same thing. I, I was humbled by that. I thought, you know what? It's, it's pretty sad that I was perhaps more excited about playing an hour and a half of basketball than I, was, than I am when I come walking through the doors here. That's just a little side note. So we were playing four or five nights a week. And then I got married. And, and, I, and I realized very quickly that four and five nights a week of basketball was not, was not going to be healthy for my marriage. And so I, I realized that, you know what, and this was not a conversation I even had with Kristen. I don't even think I had the, the conversation with Stan. I just realized that, you know what, two or three nights of basketball is going to have to do for now. You know, so I'm going to cut back. And then... We had a baby, and I realized, gosh, two or three nights of basketball, that's, that's a lot. So then it became one night a week or two nights a week. You get the point. There was decisions, conscious decisions that I made along the way to say, you know, I, this is just something in, in light of what's valuable to me, where, where I'm needing to, 
to invest myself, this, I can't do this the same way any longer. It's not that I don't love it anymore. It's not that it wasn't good for me. It's just I realized, you know, this, this has got to change. And so I, that's the challenge today. We, we recognize that there are seasons that we go through, times in our life where we say, you know what, in light of what I want to see accomplished in my life, in light of what I want God to do in my life, this is where I'm going to invest myself. And that's the wisest thing that we can do. Because God w will honor that. I, I believe, and, and there's a quote I believe in your notes this morning from Andy Stanley, who says this, small deposits of time over a period of time in the important areas of life will make all the difference in the world. And that's exactly true. The more that we make deposits in that area consistently, it will make a difference. It will make a difference. And then I wanted to include a quote from our God who says this, from, and it's from Ephesians chapter 5. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. We are in a situation and a time in our world where it will become more and more apparent who are those that are, have invested their time wisely in the, in the area of their spiritual life. And so my encouragement to you today is don't miss the opportunity. And it is never, never too late to start making that investment. Make that investment. Make the decision. It's not always easy. There, that means there's going to be things that, good things that I'm going to have to say no to so that I can say yes to what is best. But God is going to honor that and it will show up, I believe in the short term, but for sure in the long term it's going to make a difference in your life. Where do I need to make changes, adjustments, and how I invest my time. Well, God, we are grateful for the truth of the fact that the time that's in front of us, the time that we have, our life is a gift from you. It's, it's a free gift. We get no more. You have determined the number of our days. And it's important for us to number those rightly and to recognize that you desire us to use them well. And God, we are faced with tough decisions. We are, we are faced with with a culture and a society that would want to, and an, and an adversary that would want to drag us away from what is best. And so God, give us wisdom, surround us with people that will help us make wise decisions there so that we, with the vision towards the future, with a vision towards what you want to do in our life, that you would make a difference in how we invest the gift of our time. Thank you, God, for, the, for this truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we conclude this morning? We're going to worship and just celebrate a God who we can give our life to. He wants to do a great thing in our life this morning.